Good morning, Grandview. It's good to see you. I'll wait. I don't know if my slide is up there. Okay. I don't know who has been looking for Mother's Day presents. There's one on the screen. If you would like uh, a t-shirt. I like to spend my free time drinking coffee and avoiding people. I thought it would be a great icon of this series on the, the welcome of God. Uh, today I'll be talking how to avoid people. Um, so let's go to the next slide. So on a few weeks ago, um, maybe I'll pull the mic so I can move around. A okay. So a few weeks ago, we heard a wonderful story from the East Side Story Guild team, and it was a story about Jonah. And the story was that God is a God of welcome, and this concept of God embracing everybody is not just a New Testament concept of a more hippie Jesus that turns out he's kind. But this is an, this God's welcome is a theme even from the Old Testament. And we see there Jonah who was refusing to share the good news of God's forgiveness to people who were the Ninevites and they were the oppressors. As you know, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, northern the, where the northern tribes were spread out. Today, we're going to talk about the son of Jonah. So did you know about the son of Jonah? So in case Eastside Story Guild is looking for an extra character for a follow-up, Jonah has a son. So today, we will be learning about Jonah's son. Can you recognize those who went to Sunday school when you were kids? Who's that? Who's the son of Jonah? Peter. Ta-da! Okay, next, next slide. Okay, so I'm gonna, I have a few questions. I have like about six questions. They are rhetorical, but if you feel you have an answer, or if you wanna mock me a little, you are welcome to do so. Um, so my first question is, what kind of people do you avoid or rarely have fellowship with? Sometimes we have this active avoidance. When I've asked about, I'm a chaplain in a senior home, so when I asked my residents um, who they avoid, they said I avoid negative people people who are always talking about their aches and what's wrong with them, so I avoid them. So we all sometimes have some people we avoid, could be uh, an avoidance of people who are different from us in our cultural preferences, in our political views, in our religious and theological views. Some of that avoidance can be active, some of it is just part of our lifestyle. We just don't hang out with those people because we don't see them. So that happened to these two men that we're gonna see. And what would make you change your mind about those people? Whoever that is in your mind, okay? So we all have a Cornelius if we are a Peter, and we all have a Peter if we are the Cornelius in the story. So let's think of those people that you either actively avoid or maybe you don't hang out or you don't have fellowship with very often. So I'm gonna be reading from um, Acts 10. So the question is, what would make you change your mind? So let's meet there Cornelius, he's a Roman centurion, and Roman centurions are the great-great-grandparents of cops. Basically, that's what a centurion was. He was a cop, he was a peace officer, okay? So, and he was a, a powerful one in charge of hundreds of soldiers, and the one on the right is Peter, the son of Jonah. Who called Peter son of Jonah and why? This is a wonderful fun fact that I'm dying to get into later on. Um, 
So who remembers who called Jonah, who called Peter son of Jonah? Jesus, that's right. <laughs> that's always the right answer. <laughs> well, if you are in doubt, just shout Jesus and there's a way to make it work. Yes, so Jesus. Jesus called Jonah, uh, called Peter son of Jonah. And it was around a question saying, Peter son of Jonah, do you still love me? And we will see where that happens. It's just so beautiful. Okay, so we will meet these two people. These are two, two groups of people, two types of people that would not be in each other's birthday parties, right? Except when Jesus was around then, he would be going into other people's homes that they are all shocked that Jesus came in. But in general, they would not be sharing a piece of cake in a birthday party. So they will be their own, um, with, each, with each this own, how does the saying go? With, to each this, yeah, that one. I'm gonna pull out my ESL card here. Next, next slide. Okay, so what would change somebody's mind? So what happened with this, with, this, um, with Cornelius? Who remembers the story? What was happening with Cornelius? earlier in, in Acts. So I'm going to read it. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man and feared God with all his household. Can we imagine if you see on the press a cop being described like that? A devout man who feared God with all his household. That's, we don't hear much about that when we hear news of police brutality gave generals alms to people and pray continually to God. So I want us to pay attention to this rhythm of prayer. So Cornelius was, had a rhythm of pray, ha, prayer. How did he pick that up? We'll, we'll have to guess. Continually to God about the ninth hour of the day. So this is, part, that's, this is what gives up that Cornelius had a prayer life, had a, a prayer rhythm. He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God came and said to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. I love it. Do you know people who are better kind and good people than all of us who say we're Christian in your workplace? Sometimes I have people that I'm, wow, you are, by your fruits, you seem to be a more wonderful person than I can possibly be. And this is that one kind of people. And those kind of people who have some kind of a, a intentional spirituality like Cornelius, he, had, he was very intentional about his prayer life and about his giving, they are not unnoticed by God, right? They are not unnoticed. And that's so beautiful because that's what God tells him. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. And bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him and departed, he called two of his servants and devout soldiers from among those he attended. So he also had devout soldiers. So this was some interesting peace officer, right? That he was not the only one who was connected with the God of Israel. And having related everything to his soldiers, he sent them to Joppa. Next slide. Oh, no, wait, let's go to the previous one. Let me highlight those. So what happens? What would make somebody extend an invitation to somewhere they feel they were rejected? Because that's what Cornelius did. 
right? He had an encounter with the divine. That's in, um, in the biblical narrative, we call that revelation. Every time God intervenes in your life, you are being, you are receiving some revelation. God is revealing himself to you. So what made Cornelius extend an invitation that he feel would be rejected? Well, it was God's intervention, God's revelation. God talks to him, and that makes Cornelius send an invitation to somebody he might, who might likely say no. So that's so beautiful. That is, it's God himself talking to people, himself making changes within to make us take risks, to invite and send invitations knowing that maybe they will say no. And that's, that's very, that puts you in a very vulnerable position. Okay. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, and here's my super slide of my fun fact. So we know that Peter was where? Where was Cornelius sending his soldiers? What part? By the seaside. And that town was called Joppa. Okay? Joppa is what is now Haifa or Hafa or Tel Aviv now. And it's the same place where Jonah was trying to run away from God's calling to express his welcome to everybody else. Isn't that interesting? That the same geographical location where God was telling Jonah that he should share a message of welcome is the same place where Peter is going to get his own revelation about God's welcome to everybody else. I think that's fascinating. And there's another even more fun fact. You know that Peter is a very important figure in the Catholic tradition. So guess what embassy is in Tel Aviv? The Vatican embassy. So the Vatican embassy is in Tel Aviv. So this is a big moment. This moment that we're gonna be hearing is very crucial. It is so crucial. And it's so deeply connected with God's welcome through Jonah. So I, I, I was very excited about my fun fact. Okay, so let's read now. Um, and then, so after, after this um, act of vulnerability, where Cornelius sends an invitation thinking, oh, I really hope he's going to say yes, but I think he probably is going to say no. So on one hand, God is agitating an invitation. He's steering an invitation. And on the other side, he has to do something, something similar for the other person to say yes. Right? So he has to intervene in both sides, in the one extending the invitation and in the one receiving the invitation. Okay, so let's go to Acts 10, the next, the next slide. Oh, no, no, the firmer slide, sorry, I forgot to read that one. So verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the house about the sixth hour to pray. So this is a wonderful parallel. Cornelius and Peter had, were very intentional in their prayer life. So they have prayer rhythms. As a good Jew, you know that they prayed at least three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And some would pray even more. So it's fascinating that Cornelius, a pagan, also had a prayer life, a very intentional prayer life. So did Peter. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Sometimes happens that when we pray, that's the last thing we do. We start checking our phone. We become hungry. We start thinking about the laundry list. Well, Peter became hungry, and he was in a house stop. What was Peter's occupation? He was a fisherman. So when he's in a house stop looking at the ocean, 
What kind of dish do you think he has in mind? Some kind of a yummy fish, right? He's probably remembering that wonderful breakfast that Jesus prepared for him when he was alive. And that is when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? And how many times did he, Jesus ask him that? Three times. How many times did that sheet with animals and reptiles had to come down and talk, God speak to him? Three times. So there's something about Peter and three. So I don't know. Well, you tell me, what, is, what do you conclude about that? And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the earth. And there came a voice to him that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And in the back of my head, I want to say, on behalf of God, don't worry, Peter, this is not about food. Verse 15, and the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and then the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter is scratching his head. He's wondering, is God asking me to change my dietary laws? Am I supposed to eat my neighbor's iguana now? This is this my neighbor's kid. Anyway, verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, to say the least, as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the Holy Spirit sent him a text message. This is so fast. It is fascinating. The men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry by Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was along lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. I love it how God communicates with us. It's instant. We think that text messages are instant. Well, there's something even more instant than text messages, and that's the, me the, the, in the steerings of the spirit. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, has directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be with his guests, to be his guests. So Peter receives these strangers, and it's only because God says that he should go with them, invites them to be his guests. Have you ever been in a, next slide now, have you ever been in a cross-cultural hospitality experience where you have gone to somebody's house you are not too familiar with or are from a different culture? Um, how do you feel in a cross-cultural experience of hospitality? Um, my husband and I, we were recently visiting family in Spain. And even though they're family we haven't seen for a while, we walk in the house and we're like, is this a shoe, shoe on, shoe off policy? We're looking around, there's no shoes around. Okay, I guess we keep our shoes, we take them off. And then you eventually ask, do you want us to take your shoes off? So there's those little awkward moments, right? And once you get in, 
And then you're trying, if this is a different culture, if this is just people you are not very familiar with, you're starting to, how do you start? Maybe with a compliment. Oh, what a nice plant. I really like your house. Uh, what a lovely mat you have. So you try to sort of break the ice, the, awkward the awkwardness of the moment, right? And then what happens? I also had another friend who came to my house here in Vancouver, and we were, we, she's my hairdresser, by the way. So I sort of, I think I know her for, from years. So then she says, by the way, Claudia, next time it would be a good idea if you organize your bathroom towels in a, in a, little, in a little roll. It looks a little sloppy right now. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. I, there's, there has to be, in order for the hospitality to continue, there has to be some grace right? There has to be some, okay, I like her, I know her for many years, she's not from this country, she's older than me, I still love her, right? And I'll still have it again. And guess what? My towels are rolled up now in the bathroom because it actually, it actually looks better. So she was right. So she was right. Okay, so how do we, how do we behave? So guess, Peter was not a diplomat. Was he a diplomat? What do you think of the apostle Peter? Was he called to be a diplomat? Thank God he called him to be an apostle because a diplomat he was not. So, and then Cornelius is like he gathers his friends to, to have Peter, this famous holy man, and all these people are respecting P Peter. Let's go to the next slide. And what happens? Who remembers the story? That's wonderful. You did attend Sunday school. <laughs> and you paid attention. Okay, so let's read what happened. It, it, it gets very awkward, right? Like Peter walks in and he's probably wondering, I wonder what do these people eat? Like how are they clean? How do they wash their hands? How are we going to do this? Are they going to provide us a place to wash our hands or our feet? How do they grow their food? Like I wonder, I wonder what were some of the thoughts that Peter had. Um, so the next day, Peter rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So this is important, very strategic Peter, right? Like if God is telling me to break this law, I'm going to bring somebody with me, right? I'm going to say, like, hey, I cannot do this alone. How about you guys come with me? So the brothers from Joppa come with him. And the, and the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Just think of you in a big room with your relatives, all your relatives, the ones you like, and then your friends, and then your friends, right? All of them. And you say, I'm having, you know, guys, there's this guy who's going to come. You've got to hear what he has to say. And everybody's expecting was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down on his feet and worshipped him. So how is that for a Jewish man about there's only one God? How, about, how is that welcome? Right? Awkward. Okay. And the, but Peter, instead of saying, I'm glad you recognize that we're superior than you. This makes so much sense. But no, what did Peter say? Stand up. I am a man. And as he talked to him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And instead of commenting, oh, uh, Cornelius, what a lovely home you have, he says, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew 
to associate with or to visit anyone or, uh, of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, I asked them why you sent for me. So instead of commenting on uh, how nice of a home Cornelius had, or what lovely kid you have there, what was his comment? You know that I'm not supposed to be here, that I should not be here. So how would you take that as a host? Okay, then don't come, right? So here are so many sensibilities that God uh, had to enable them to deal with humility and with grace. Right? When you're making a big act of risky hospitality, you have to be ready to wear your belt by your neck. You cannot wear your belt very low because any punch will go low. You need to lift up your belt and be more willing to give up some of your sensibilities and be graceful and, and humble. Okay, so let's see what's my... Yeah, so the awkwardness of generous hospitality where humility and grace are crucial. Let's go to the next um, slide. And here's the part that is very fitting for us. And I'm so glad that this passage was here today because in moments of grief, it is so wonderful to recenter and refine our identity. When we're in grief, we wonder who we are and where we're going and why. So this part is where Peter shares with Cornelius something very important. So what was Peter and Cornelius missing that God needed them to learn from each other? Cornelius was already a guy who prayed and gave generously. What else would he need to do? What was he missing? He's already a good person. And Peter, well, he was with Jesus. What was he missing? Why was this encounter so necessary? What they didn't know that they needed to know and they couldn't know without each other's presence. What was it? Amen. I, I paid him to answer all that. <laughs> He's doing so wonderful. Okay, so let's hear. This is, this is, this is what... Cornelius needed to hear. So having a prayer life and giving generously was not enough. Why? Not because it was too little for God, but because it was too little to give for Cornelius. We'll see. Let's hear. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. How did you think it sounded in Cornelius' ears? Beautiful. Recognized. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, this is beautiful. This good news of peace through Jesus Christ is very good. Why? What do you think was one of Cornelius' job in the Roman Empire? Do you remember what was the Pax Romana? Who remembers from your history class? What was, Pax, what was the Pax Romana? the peace of Rome, which was an economic system that was extended all through Europe where there was peace and economic prosperity in Rome, right? So part of this peace officer's job was to keep the peace, right? So now Cornelius is hearing that Jesus was preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. You yourselves know what happened and throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. So 
Peter starts welcoming Cornelius into the story of Jesus. And that's what Cornelius needed to know, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, had come. That's what Cornelius didn't know, that Jesus was the Prince of Peace, and he had come. And how was he bringing peace? Using Cornelius' army? No. Through a very costly road of suffering. That's what Cornelius did not know and needed to know. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the, de by the devil, for God was with him. So here you can see all the stages of Jesus. Peter shared main, the main parts of Jesus' story. There his anointment with John the Baptist, then his death, his resurrection, and then how others were able to witness his resurrection. So then he went about doing good and healing and all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. So what do you think came to Cornelius' mind when Jesus mentioned the resurrection? I wonder if he was there or close by or some of his relatives or his friends were there participating actively in Jesus, in Jesus' crucifixion. So that's how he welcomed Peter. That's, that's how Peter welcomed Cornelius in Jesus' story. He told it all. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not all to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after the ro he rose from the death, as he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Who was the judge of everything in those times? Caesar. He was all for everybody. He was, this, he was the God. He was the judge. He was everything. Turns out he was not, that Jesus is that, that judge. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So this is so beautiful. Peter, this is another reason why when somebody invites you, we always have to be ready to share the story of Jesus and know how to welcome that person into the story of Jesus. And guess what happened? Let's go to the next slide. First, let's go back a little bit. Peter was praying and Cornelius was praying and that invited God to speak, right? In the, in the former slide, we saw that Peter, what did Peter need to know from Cornelius? We will see now. But Cornelius needed to hear the gospel. So being good and pr having a prayer life, maybe it's not enough. You know something about God. Cornelius knew something about God. That's why he had a prayer life and he was generous in his giving. But God wants you to know him fully. And the only way to know him fully is to know Jesus. So that's what Cornelius didn't know. That's what Cornelius was lacking, who Jesus was. And then this is what Peter didn't know and that would not be able to know if it wasn't because of Cornelius. And on the following, uh, sorry, where's the scripture there? While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell 
on those who heard the word. So what were those things that Peter was sharing? The Jesus story, the whole, the whole of it. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, even on them. And this is what Peter didn't know. And there was no other way for Peter to know unless he took the risk and accepted an invitation. And this is what he learned. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So what was happening there? Peter witnessed another thing as wonderful as the resurrection. What is that? What's what happened? Yeah, what does that mean? When this Holy Spirit came on Jesus in his baptism, God was saying, this is the one. To, to him, you listen, this is mine. When Jesus sends the Holy Spirit on, on the people in Pentecost, what is, God, what is Jesus saying? These are mine. And now when the Holy Spirit comes on this centurion's family, what is God saying? These are mine. So there's that sense, the same sense, the same spirit that God sent through Jonah. Those people in, in, that, in Nineveh, which are part of the Assyrian Empire that's dominating you, they, I have people there that are mine. And the same with Peter. These people that are so different than you, they are mine too. And this is how I'm going to show you. The spirit is going to come. And the spirit came. And this is something that both Peter and Cornelius were able to witness because they took the risk of extending and accepting an invitation. Who makes you go to those risks? Only God. Like, unless God intervenes, these guys would have not seen each other. It's only God. Right? And when God tells you something, what, what happens when we're able to receive each other? Then we realize things we did not know about God. So because of this encounter, because these two people said yes, both went out with a deeper revelation and a fuller revelation of who God is. Peter could not know that without Cornelius. And Cornelius could not know that without Peter. But it was costly. It was very costly. It took a lot of humility, a lot of grace. So Cornelius and Peter took the risk to meet and to receive each other. And in their encounter, Abraham's promise to be a blessing for all the nation was fulfilled. A big promise. Just like in Jonah's time and in Peter's, God has people in groups and places we don't expect. But he wants to bless them with the gospel, with his Holy Spirit, and mark them as his own and have them back with him. So what does it take? What are some of the so what are some of the themes that you notice in this story? There's a theme of prayer. Peter and Cornelius were very intentional about their prayer. What's another theme? Openness. To trust and obey. Who knows that old thing, old hymn, trust and obey, there's no other way. Do you remember that hymn? Those who are a little older, they nod. Trust and obey, there's no other way. So this willingness to trust and obey. You don't have all the information. There is going to be awkwardness in the interactions, but you can trust and obey. Humility. There has to be humility. Both accepted 
that both Cornelius and Peter accepted that they did not know everything there is to know about God, both. And Cornelius throws himself at Peter. That shows his humility. Peter recognizes God at work, and when he sees the Holy Spirit coming and marking these Gentiles as God's people, Peter joins God and said, of course, it seems that God is welcoming them. Let's baptize them. So this is a magnificent change of heart and of mind that it happened only because God intervened. Prayer welcomed God's revelation, and the gospel welcomed the Holy Spirit. So what's the moral of the story? Be intentional about your prayer life. Be open to what God says. Trust and obey. Receive and extend hospitality. Share the gospel. And as you're speaking, maybe the Holy Spirit will come and will show who these people belong to. Amen.